Welcome to Tracy Says Things. This is the podcast that loves all of its little assholes, even when they're coloring on the walls and hitting their sister. I'm Tracy, and I'm the one who says most of the things. Hopefully, you're listening to this on April 27th. This is your reminder that Mother's Day is just around the corner. If you have a mother, please go out and get her something nice. If you are a cisgender male and have impregnated someone and she is either currently carrying your child or that child has burst forth from her loins, then go and buy her something. Pause this and go now. We're waiting. Okay, so now that you're back, did it come from the gas station or Shoppers Drug Mart or Dollarama? Try again. Pause. We're waiting. She deserves at least something semi-nice. And you know, if you're a kid, well, first of all, who the fuck let you listen to this? This has one of those explicit content warnings on the front cover. And secondly, sweetheart, whatever macaroni beaded, glue-covered, crayon thing you made for us this Mother's Day, it's going to be the very best present we could have received. And as long as it comes with that extra squishy hug and a big smooch, it's our favorite. Fuck. Being a mom is hard. Why do we do it? I'm here today with a panel of moms, and we're going to chat about some stuff, and then we're probably going to turn off this recording and talk some more and maybe drink a bit. Who knows? Time for some introductions. So um, introduce yourself and tell us about your kids, um, and then tell me about the TV mom that you want to be or that you wish you had her life. So I have a four-year-old girl and a 12-year-old non-binary. Um, I'm Joanne, and I have two kids two boys they are 11 and 12 so I had my kids really close together which at the beginning was a nightmare but is getting better um the kind of mom I've always wanted to be is a young mom that's playful with her kids and they have good memories of their childhood okay hi I'm Chelsea (laughs) I have three children 11 year old daughter and a six-year-old and four-year-old boys and I uh would love to be like Lorelai Gilmore but but I'm more of a Roseanne in real life Roseanne I love it funny thing so Penn and I watched Gilmore Girls I'd never watched it when it was on tv originally and that's the first thing she said to me is mom why can't we be more like Rory and Lorelai and I was like because you're not like Rory so I am not like Lorelai. I refuse to take all the blame for that. Anywho. <laughs> uh, the first thing I want to chat with you guys about is how fucking tired are we? Mom usually equals the person who runs the home. The cook, the cleaner, the chauffeur, the entertainment, and the personal gopher for the little people who think they run the house. But then you also usually have some other form of work that you do inside or outside the home that's your paid work. Here's some mom stats. 70% of women with kids under 18 are in the workforce. 75% of those are full-time jobs. Pay equity? Nope. Working moms see an average of 4% decrease in their income per child born or adopted because they spend more time out of the office than they do in. Women in relationships are 5.5 times more likely to do most, if not all of the housework, even if they are the primary income earner. The average working mom puts in 98 hours per week. However, sons of working moms grow up to spend seven to eight hours 
of childcare and an hour more of housework per week. Daughters with a mom who work are 1.3 times more likely to be a supervisor in their career. 66% of women get no more than six hours of sleep per night. 53% of working moms are not satisfied with the amount of family time they have and or their financial stability. Not to mention the division between working moms and stay-at-home moms. Working moms tend to feel guilty that they're leaving their children and stay-at-home moms have been known to feel guilty that they don't provide financially for their families. So what kind of mom are you and what do you feel is the hardest part about the work that you do? I'll start with this one. <laughs> so I haven't had a full night's sleep in at least six years because my boys both still get up at night and they want us to snuggle with them and I am over it. I'm so done. I'm exhausted and I have to give my, my husband credit. He'll help and he's always been good about getting up with them too. But like, dude, no uninterrupted sleep ever. You just, you don't get over that. Like you never get that sleep back. I feel jilted. I'm, I wish I took more naps when I was younger. <laughs> and I work in healthcare. So my job is not only physically demanding, but emotionally and mentally demanding. And by the time I get home at night, I don't even want to be a mom anymore. I don't want to be anything but in my bed. <laughs> For sure. Joe? There's a lot in that. Um, not sure where to start. Um, okay, so what I do for a job is I work for a family a family business, a small business in Saskatchewan going through a pandemic, which is stressful at the best of times. So my work comes home with me. So if my brother is needing anything, I get phone calls from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. So my work day is long. I have started... Um, working earlier so I can help look after my grandmother who her husband passed away like my grandpa passed away this year and she's now living with my mom so part of my time in the evening then from three to about five or six I'll go visit and uh, help out wherever I can or cover appointments so that my mom could go in to the dentist like simple things like that and then I get home to to parent look after my kids you know my husband is amazing he does lots of the work here because I mean there is no other option but you know I go to bed at like 8 30 at night 8 39 o'clock so I don't see them very often like these are going to be years where they don't even remember me being here and it's really sad yeah for sure um and so Obviously, like I can hear the guilt in your voice, Joanne, as you're talking about that. Um, and is that a guilt that who has, I shouldn't, okay, see, I'm going to edit that. <laughs> who has put that guilt on you? Is that something that you are just simply doing to yourself or has anyone yeah. said anything to you about that? Oh, yeah, I was just going to jump off that a little bit, but the guilt I know for myself, I put it there on myself because of my upbringing. My mom was very inconsistently a parent. And I always said that I would do better for my kids and I wanted to be better for my kids. So then I have these super high expectations of myself. And even though I know I'm actually killing it as a parent, I 
still think I could be doing better. And I still see all these moms that get to take their kids to Disneyland and go all these wonderful and do all these wonderful things. And I'm like, sorry, but hey, you got fed this week. Like, you know, my kids don't go without food. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I want to do it all and be it all, but it's exhausting. <laughs> Excellent point. Um, so something I wanted to bring up, I literally just saw one of my um mom oh what's what's the word I'm gonna look for here um my mom'spirations is that a did I just invent a term is Kristen Bell and I think 90% of that is also just an act for the sake of being a cool hit mom but she did this web series called Mom Splaining Things and she was sitting down and she was saying um, that uh, she was talking with a couple other people. And uh, she was like, between the three of us, we have like eight kids. And she's like, my grandmother had 12 kids and was talking about the difference between um, her and her three or her two friends raising their eight children now and her grandmother raising 12 children back then. And they made a comment about how... Um, Grandma raised 12 kids and nobody gave her any guff and nobody was like looking in her cupboards and nobody was judging her house or her Instagram pics because they didn't do that shit. They they kept their noses in their own business. And yeah, you, like there were gossipy Cathy's on every block, but there weren't like they didn't hold each other to a certain standard that was unattainable. And you didn't have to deal with keeping up with the Joneses to the extent that we all do now, right? And that also ties in with another thing that I just heard the other day. It just kind of hit me. And it was because um, I was really fighting with some anxiety and stuff about all the shit that's going on in the world. And somebody said, um, again, online, <laughs> they were like, we as a species were never meant to deal with the world's problems, in like recent history, we are inundated with the 24 hour CNN news cycle. And to fill that 24 hours, we're pulling news from every corner of the planet at all hours of the day. So, well, yes, we may have heard about like earthquakes in China and like tsunamis in Tunisia or what I don't even know, but like we now we like we see it, we're like inundated with a death count and you know, everything that's happening in the world, we're supposed to care about it all. And it's not that I don't want to care about the world, but I cannot take the emotional baggage to care for the whole world. Like I can't. And so I also can't keep up with people that are taking their kids on three Disney vacations every two years. And I can't keep up with people that are you know, buying their kids new cars when they turn 16. So should I feel guilty for that? Should I also feel guilty for the people that died in this earthquake that happened, you know, 5,000 miles from here or more than that? So we put a lot on ourselves as moms and we seem to like just keep adding to that list. At what point do we say fuck it? As long as your kids are fed and clothed and have a roof over their head, Chelsea, is that not enough? When did we decide that's not enough? When did we decide that that's, you know, what, what everybody else needs is what we need. 
And how can we let go? <laughs> what a question. Please solve this problem, Joanne. <laughs> I can't solve that problem. But I know I held myself to a standard that was unattainable to a point that I broke. I broke down when my oldest was three months old. I was like, I'm done. Somebody, anybody can do this better than me. Like, I cannot do this. I wasn't... Um, I was never that person that was like, oh, I need to have kids. I need to be married. I I didn't uh, grow up wanting that, you know. So I didn't connect well with children, and I was really scared to have kids. And then when I did have them, decide to have them and had them, um, it, it absolutely broke me. Like, I, I didn't think I could do it. Yeah, I've gotten over that now. <laughs> I'm good at it now, but it sure took a while. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I, I know I talked about like um, with my first and like the postpartum and and like being ready to be like, somebody take this baby because I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, and like was ready to like, you know to end it all to be done with it right because I just couldn't handle it and and I wasn't handling it but very recently um I just I don't know like I hit 40 and I started not taking any shit anymore and I just started trying to you know make myself better and I started having these opinions and <laughs> and so I don't know I, I think that I mean yes it comes with age but unfortunately um most people aren't, you know, having babies at 40 and being that little tiny bit self-aware or able to stand up for themselves. And that's where I tend to say things. <laughs> what are your biggest challenges with your kids that you face? Okay, so my biggest challenges as a, I'm, I'm not going to say a parent, as a mother, because I feel like we have to be on all the time, right? Like we always, there's no downtime for moms. Like even at night when you try to go to bed, you're worried about everything. You're thinking about everything. You know, it's that constant stimulation, I guess. That's not the word I'm looking for, but that's okay. Um, yeah. And liking them. <laughs> Honest to God. Like, I love my children. I know we all love our children, but holy shit. Like, they're straight up assholes. My six-year-old tonight said, Mom, you were a heifer before you had Casey. We're, we farm as well. And I'm like, okay, so I guess you're not wrong. But I didn't want to ask the little shit what, I, what he thinks I am now. But like, I did, I did, you know what, your six-year-old was the first boy that I said I would marry while I was still married to my husband. Um, I mean, like Tucker and I deep in love at one point in his life. So I will defend him and I will say that he loves cows and he must have meant that with so much love because he loves cows and he knows the value in a heifer. So I'm saying he like values his mama. Joanne, what are your biggest uh, challenges with your kids? I agree. They're becoming assholes. My kids are 11 and 12. And the 11-year-old is 
angry at everything that I say. Like it, it, it could just be what time was it? Like it doesn't even have to be anything. And he plays his video games. The way he talks to his friends is like, I can't believe they're still friends with you. <laughs> this is absolutely crazy. I don't know who this kid is, but if you get him out on a bike ride or on his own and outside, he's just a completely back to normal. Like it, it the switch flips so fast with him. Um, my oldest has been a challenge since the day he was born and he's 12 now. And we just received an autism diagnosis in December. So it took us 12 years of managing our healthcare system, managing school, managing everything to try and get the resources and help that we needed. And it was finally in September where we actually talked to somebody that said, yeah, we know what that is. And it was like, oh my God, that, that feels amazing for someone to actually understand what you're going through. So we're finally, it took 12 years to be on the right path with him. And he's actually getting the help he needs. So I'd say the last 12 years have been a challenge. <laughs> so. Definitely. I know um, ours sort of threw us for a loop here a little while ago. Um, they decided that, um, well, that sounds so condescending. I'm not even going to use that sentence. They told us <laughs> that uh, they are, they feel that they're very non-binary. Um, and so as somebody who thought that she was pretty woke and down with the program, um, having, I mean, if they had just come out and said like, Hey, I think I'm a lesbian or, um, I think I'm pansexual or like whatever, I would have taken that way easier than I think the non-binary thing. Um, just because it's, it, I mean, my kid's always been kind of like out there and her, their own funky self. So still, still dropping the hers and the she's. Um, it's a work in progress. Um, but they've always been like a march to your own drummer kind of a kid wearing their own idea of style and like never really, you know, following trends or being worried about that. And so it shouldn't have like come as a surprise, but it kind of totally did. Um, just hearing the, them say those words. So that's like what we're dealing with right now. Um, add in on top of like all the family changes that I've thrown at them over the last couple years of like deciding that my marriage with their dad was done <laughs> and bringing a new man into their lives and like him, you know, proposing and like the whole shebang and talking about a wedding. So yeah, I mean, like, I guess I've caused my kid a lot of stress in the last couple of years, but is this payback? <laughs> you know, like, and then um, co-parenting um, is like a big challenge with my kids because the rules at mom's house and the rules at dad's house are two very different sets of rules. And sometimes that consistency is killing me because... I think I have pretty good kids and I think I've done a pretty good job of raising them to be polite and be like kind and to be kind of good little people. Um, but yeah, like we've hit 12 and we've hit attitude and we've hit, 
puberty changes and all of that stuff's coming too. And then my partner and I have been like for the last couple of years, just trying to like buy them shit. And like we've, and I know we've spoiled these kids now. And so we have this little four year old who's like, holy fuck. Sometimes like she puts her hands on her hips and she is in charge. And I'm like, I, you are still small enough that I could punt you like across the field. Like you are not going to talk to me that way because if I ever talk to my parents that way, like, I mean, and I was never beaten, but we were hit, like we were smacked. And it was always like, you know, wait till your father gets home. <laughs> you know, and, and like corporal punishment was an actual thing that we were um, receiving when we were naughty. And I feel like I don't have that now. And, you know, you're not even supposed to yell at your kids. So you have created this little like four-year-old snot monster who's like, well, I am in charge. And you have to reason with a four-year-old. And that is a fucking bullshit challenge that I feel is not fair. (laughs) Pout, pout. So, um, leading into that or from that, um, I have, I guess, one older, one younger. Um, if you have older kids, um, what do you think is easier? Like when they were younger or older, or is it not easier, just different? Well, Finley specifically, the more aware he is, the easier he gets. So the more he understands, and we understand, we've gone through a lot of counseling and stuff too, the more we understand how he thinks, the easier it gets. So I find, like, he's he's quite simple. But the older they get, the more independent they are, and the less they need you for stuff, right? So the easier it is to let them be alone. And I, I don't know. I'm finding a hard time with that. I still want to hang out with them but it's easier because they don't need your help I don't know if that makes sense yeah it kind of does like I I hear what you're saying because um when I got pregnant with the second um I (laughs) berated myself quite strongly because I said well for multiple reasons but (laughs) I said to myself like Self, you are a fucking idiot because you have this kid who can like get up on Saturday mornings and pour their own cereal and milk and turn on the TV themselves and take care of themselves for a couple of fucking hours while you sleep in. And now you've got this thing that's like little and shits itself and needs to be fed and cries and does nothing else but like cry and shit and puke and eat and then shit again. And you had all this freedom And you just gave yourself this little bundle of joy. Congratulations. So I totally get that, like, it's easier as they get older. Because, yeah, it's been a long four years. (laughs) I I can leave the room. I can leave my house. If they're loud and obnoxious, I don't have to be here. So it's bad in a way that I don't confront it as much. I can put my head in the sand more with their attitudes and, and shitty behavior. I don't know. I love the newborn stage because they didn't have attitudes. Like, okay, that's not true. My youngest came out with like a shitty grin and like this much hair and huge dimples and a little glint in his eye. 
And my grandma said right from the time he was born, that one's going to be trouble. Oh my God. He is. He is by far the worst child I have. But he's also like super freaking cute. So it's terrible. Anyways, as for parenting, I would say that I am getting more relaxed with it as they get older. Um, just because, like you guys said, they are more independent. They can do more things. They're all potty trained. Like, I love that they're all potty trained. <laughs> I am just getting to the point now where I don't have to wipe any asses aside from my workplace. And yeah, like, I really appreciate that. However, parenting a preteen with all these raging hormones and all the craziness and her attitude. Oh my God, it sucks. But she is her mother's daughter. She is, um, she is by far me like reincarnated basically. And she's a dick, but I want her to be strong. I want my kids to have the ability to stand up for themselves and speak out loud and not be afraid to say what they need to say and defend themselves. But fuck, I hate it when they do it to me. The paradox, hey? Yeah, that fucking meme that may we raise strong-willed daughters as long as they don't bring it home to us. Uh, Well, Joanne, you kind of talked about this one a little bit, but are your kids what you feel pretty stereotypical? Or are you dealing with a child who is, air quotes, different? Um, And I mean that there's a whole spectrum of different that we can, you know, we can identify and we can pinpoint and label or, you know, cause everybody's little snowflakes are special, but I don't mean special. I mean like AKA my little non-binary snowflake versus her pretty typical four-year-old sister. Um, well, yeah, I mentioned Finley has been a challenge since the day he was born. Um, And we have, he's had a couple of diagnoses along the way. And the final one here is autism that I think encompasses them all. He is medicated. You know, they say that that might last for life. We'll we'll know more as, as he goes. But it's an ongoing challenge for everybody. Everybody involved. You know, all you want is for your kids to have friends and when they can't have relationships or, I mean, he can, but that's his biggest struggle is having relationships. It's heartbreaking. It's hard, hard to be a part of that, you know, and then his younger brother is the most social kid. So it's really even harder for him to see that, to see what he's missing out on. So his younger brother is more the typical, normal, normal, rough and tumble, 11 year old kid that likes playing soccer and likes playing video games, you know, so I got one of each. (laughs) So my oldest, um, pretty typical, but like fairly advanced, like she was talking early, walking early, you know, and like full sentences, she just has always been ahead of the game. Like in school, she's always gotten great work. She's always, you know, in Manitoba, it's fours across the board in like four, three, two, and one are the things they do for report cards. And she's always in the fours. So then who hates school, never wanted anything to do with 
learning his ABCs and one, two, threes, but by the age of three, he could tell you every breed of cattle that ever did and how many fence posts they pounded and how many bales are in this field. And like the kid's smarter than me when it comes to the farm already. And he's six. So when he got to school, he, it was COVID. So he got a couple months of kindergarten and then never got anything else. Hated homeschool, couldn't concentrate, wouldn't sit down. Like it was just a nightmare. Um, so he, I don't think he failed kindergarten. He really didn't do well. And so this year has been a whole different ball game. He's got a great teacher that that's been working with him really hard. He a recovery program. He's graduated from that now. He's doing great. But he also just got an ADD diagnosis a couple weeks ago, and it just threw me for a loop because it was the last thing I expected. I never saw him as a child that couldn't concentrate because when it came to things he really liked, that's all he did. Like, he just obsessed over them. So it's just from one extreme to the other with those two. And then the youngest is so charismatic and he's just a charming little shit <laughs> who gets away with way too much. Like today he had preschool and my grandma picked him up after preschool and took him out to the farm. And so I called after school and I said, okay, so are you coming home tonight? And he wouldn't even talk to me because he didn't want me to have to talk him into it. So he just told grandma, you tell her I'm not going nowhere. And she lets him away with it. What do you do with that? You get them a poli-sci major so they can become Prime Minister of Canada. That's politician material. (laughs) I love it. Do you feel that you have the supports that you need as a mom to raise these non-typical children? Are you um, finding these supports easily or are you having to struggle to support your child? Go for it. Um, I feel supported with my six-year-olds just because we have a really good staff at the school and our doctor's on board. Like it was her who has been through the exact same stuff with her own son. So it was easy for us that way. I do feel like the healthcare system really fails people in those like ADD, ADHD, autism spectrums. I feel that the healthcare system is terrible that way and the education system. There is not enough support for those kids and they're the ones who get left behind ultimately. And I, I just don't want that for my children. So I'm really, really trying to be proactive now that I know what we're doing, what we're dealing with. I have a similar view on that. Like my family is 100% supportive, but when it comes to... Um, getting a diagnosis, where do you even start? What do you even do? Who do you talk to? It's been a process and waiting lists. We've waited two years just to see somebody, then to have to see somebody else. Um, And, you know, when it comes to the school system, I mean, Finley has spent more time sitting in the hall or in the principal's office than in a classroom that he is exceptionally smart intellectually. He could get through school without um, too much extra help. It's the the social side that he struggles with. So when he's having a tantrum or he's uh, being disruptive in class, they just send him out. And there's nothing that we've been able to do about it. So he doesn't, I think, have a good support system at school. 
so this year he's been home uh, doing the online school and it was a huge eye opener. It's the best thing that happened for us to know how much help he actually needs because we're the ones doing it. So, you know, you're thrown into it. You absolutely understand what he needs. So he needs help and he doesn't qualify for help. Not online school doesn't have EAs or any additional help than the one teacher who doesn't have time. So like my husband is taking on schooling for him because Finley needs the extra time. So yeah, I would say very little support and very little help from external. Okay. Yeah. That's sucks. (laughs) That really sucks. Um, I guess in our situation, I have, they, uh, reached out to their school counselor and the school counselor has like talked to their teacher and, um, some of the staff at the school that, that they have classes with and they go to a Catholic school. So I was like, oh fuck, this is going to be bad, (laughs) but the exact opposite. I've been pleasantly surprised with the um outpouring of like I don't even know like goodwill isn't really the the right but like they're supportive and they're you know ready to like use pronouns and they were like um you know if if there's anything we can do to support them in you know with any you know additional counseling that schools can provide or um I was just like, wow, okay, cool. And, um, the school counselor was like, do you have, um, any contacts that you can, you know, um, put them with a, with a counselor outside of school? And I was like, well, we, we are on the, um, we've been trying to get her counseling through the health region for a year and a half. And the school counselor was like, well, you know what? I will put in the request, uh, for you and it should be dealt with within like a month. And I was like, fantastic. That'd be great. Um, and, uh, we like looked up information from out Saskatoon and, um, they're getting peer counseling with somebody who's, um, out as non-binary. And I think that's awesome because I mean, that's something I have absolutely no experience with. I've never had feelings like that as a cisgender female. I've always felt comfortable ish in my skin my discomfort has never been about being a woman it's been you know about like 85 to 100 pounds of excess weight that I've you know carried and not felt comfortable with so it has nothing to do with gender it's just straight up uh body image (laughs) so I have no um no personal uh attachment to to what she's going through so um yeah, I'm, I was very surprised actually at the supports that I've been dealt so far. And honestly, when I started, um, putting together, cause this has been like these questions and stuff, this has been, um, a podcast topic for, well, since this all began, <laughs> Joanne months ago, uh, like what, November of last year. And, uh, I never thought that when I was talking about, you know, friends that were dealing with like atypical children, that I would be one of them. (laughs) So this is like kind of funny that I was like, you know, I was going through notes and stuff. Like I was, I was planning the dates for, for these things. And I was like, okay, going through the questions and do you feel you have supports and non-typical children? And how am I going to, you know, bridge this without sounding like a 
hypocrite or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh shit, this now applies to me. Fuck. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I have some experience like finding this information out. And so it's kind of weird. <laughs> no, it's I and I actually, Joanne, you're um one of the reasons that I wanted to put these questions in there and talk with other moms because I know there's lots of people that struggle to get kids diagnosed and get kids assistance and and so yeah you were kind of one of the inspirations uh to this when you started talking about you know fighting for your kids and advocating and we have a mutual friend that was talking about setting up a support group or a facebook group for moms and that's so important like we were so lost with even where to start we just knew something wasn't normal the normal right like we knew something was different what we didn't know what it was you know and then once you get the diagnosis you'd have counselors say well yeah we thought that well why didn't you tell me you know nobody nobody seems to want to talk about it or tell you they think they're going to offend you like we just want the best life and the best options for him why would we not want to know? But yeah, the more people that talk about it and and can, like, this was my story. This is what, or who I talked to, how I started or whatever, the better. Absolutely. Needs to be talked about more. Yeah. And I think the really frustrating thing, I had another mom uh, say to me one time, all these kids nowadays, there's all, all these kids on the, like, especially, she was talking about autism spectrum. Um, from like Asperger's to, you know, non-functioning, non-verbal, like the spectrum, right? And she's like, all these kids are being diagnosed with this nowadays. And, and when we grew up, kids didn't have autism. And I was like, but there were always the weird kids. There were always the not normal kids. There were the slow kids. There were the, they existed, people have always existed they just now have a name and potential drugs to help encourage behaviors into you know a more again air quotes normal but at the same time I mean there's who says you need to be normal I mean so I mean you have all these people who are labeled weird or whatever and and really just had a slight difference in, in how their brain works. And now we like, we make more exceptions to letting people be like, I mean, letting kids learn at their own pace, letting kids, you know, discover things in their own ways. So that's what I love is like how not everybody has to fit this normal mold anymore. And I think that's as a parent, that's pretty cool because your kids don't have to, be normal to still get a good life if that makes sense so it's kind of hopeful last two questions and I'm going to ask them at the same time (laughs) what I'm going to go negative first so that we end on a high note what do you think is your greatest failure or was your greatest failure as a mom and then on the flip side what was your greatest success because of the face Chelsea you go first (laughs) what you think is your greatest failure. Cause it probably, here's the trick question. None of us have actually failed. <laughs> and also comparing myself to my own mother, who was a shit mother, like terrible, no maternal instinct, like worse than a llama or whatever those animals are that throw their babies into traffic and run away. Quokas. Is that how you say that word? Anyways, 
<laughs> that's basically my mother. <laughs> and so, but she was fun. Like now that I know she was high all the time, it makes sense. But she was a fun mom. Like we did cool shit. And I don't feel that I'm that cool. <laughs> and my kids tell me how lame I am all the time. So I don't know. Maybe I'm winning as a pawn if as a mom, if they think that I'm lame, because obviously I have rules, right? So that, that's my biggest failure kind of all wrapped up into what would be my greatest triumph is apparently I'm winning at momming because I'm that lame mom that you saw on the TV shows. <laughs> I never wanted to be the lame mom, but like I said, I'm more of a Roseanne. <laughs> I would say my biggest failure as a mom was giving a shit what other people thought. That really drove a lot of my decisions and caused a lot of stress and unhappy days for me. So as a mom, I, I made terrible decisions because I didn't want people to see that I had a kid that cried all the time and had tantrums and we didn't go out as much as we could have. We stayed home a lot. We didn't drive around because you know, driving made him cry. Everything made him cry. So I would say I lived in fear of what other people thought for too long. And then and that's hard to think of what my triumph is as a mom. I would say being, being an advocate for them, for whatever they need, and both of them. Like, I've, I do a lot of volunteering with the school, um, when they're home in school and they're, they're whatever, you know, just to have a hand in how their education is going to go as much as you can as a parent, um, making sure they're getting what they need. I don't know. It seems lame, but <laughs> I guess that's my greatest triumph. <laughs> go ahead. No, I just had another thought about my greatest triumph. I think it would be that once upon a time, a great psychiatrist told me that you can't compare your children. Do you compare your friends? And I said, well, to myself, yeah. Like, I want to be like my friends in various ways. And he goes, well, are you the same people? And I said, no. And he says, well, neither are your children. They're all different people that are going to do different things and be different ways. And you need to love them accordingly. And realizing that and coming to terms with that, that each child needs to be loved a different way. Each child has different needs. Each child has different, you know, ways that you connect with them. And once I realized that and started and stopped, sorry, not started, once I stopped comparing them to one another, it got a lot easier to parent them. That's pretty fucking profound. What I thought was my greatest failure was believing my... Uh, mental illness was who I was for the longest time. And then um, continuing to allow myself to listen to that voice over and over and over again. Um, I think my greatest success is accepting my mental illness <laughs> and not living with it, but letting it live with me. And not letting it ruin my relationship with my kids because we I identify those feelings as a family and we identify those days 
Um, and because of that, I think we talk about how people are feeling way more than I would have before. And I, uh, when I do like lose my cool or whatever, if it's warranted, (laughs) um, we still talk about, you know, why I shouldn't have yelled or why I am still allowed to be disappointed in that behavior and why I can choose to not allow that behavior in my home, but that I'm not allowed to take my feelings out on them because even though their feelings are littler, they're still valid. And um, even though my feelings were my feelings and my people in my life didn't choose to accept them, they were still valid. So I have to do that. If I don't do what I wanted done for me from other people in my life and I'm doing it to my kids, it's like that trickle down effect. So I have to treat my children like I want to be treated even when I'm having a sad day or having a manic day <laughs> or whatever. And um, it's really funny because I recognize a lot of those feelings in my kids now. And so then that leads to like, I feel like sometimes I've passed on bad mental genes to them. <laughs> but I think a success is that I'm showing them coping skills and showing them ways to like work with those feelings. So um, yeah, it's kind of, we, we embrace the crazy in this house and, um, we treat it accordingly. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Thanks you guys. Um, did you have just individually, um, any kind of like final words or any, like what's like the one piece of mom advice you'd give a brand new mom in like 30 seconds or less? The best advice you can give a new mom is to not give her advice. I love to that. Do, do what, what you feel is right. I mean, as long as you love your kids, you're going to do what's best for them. I wouldn't put my what worked for me on anybody else. My best parenting advice would be, be the best mom you can be the way you want to be. Don't let someone else dictate how you parent, how you raise your children, how you love your children. Because I spent a lot of years wasting time on how other people thought I should be doing things. And the less shits you give, the better. Because trust me, there's going to be a lot of shit involved. So you may as well just keep your shits to yourself. I love that. That's awesome. I'd like to thank Chelsea and Joanne for joining us today, even when they are being little assholes. The title of this episode actually came from a private joke between me and my kids. I used to watch the television program Chelsea Lately, and Chelsea would have a little fake commercial segment where she would talk about how wonderful her life of privilege is, the things that she could do because she didn't have kids. And she would end the segment with, kids, they're not that great. And when I say that to my now 12-year-old, when they've done anything to annoy me, I look at them lovingly, of course, and say, kids, they're not that great. And then they usually smack me or, you know, throw something at me from across the room or, you know, the standard preteen fare of mom and roll your eyes. Being a mom's hard. I'm sure being a dad is hard. I've never been a dad, so I can't tell you, 
But parenting in general, between social media and all the outside influences and the trying to keep up with the Pinterest and the Facebook and the all the Instagram storied perfect lives, just do your best. Your kids will love you no matter what. Just don't screw them up. And hey, if you do, there's always therapy. Until next time. This was Tracy Says Things, a podcast brought to you by Anchor Media. Produced terribly by Tracy. If you would like to volunteer your production skills or offer feedback, contact us at tracysaysthings at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at tracysaysthings.com.